This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Friday, 31 March, the year of our Lord, 2023. It is the uh, final uh, day of the first quarter of this historic year, and what a year it's been so far. Um, we've got a lot to get through in the last uh, hour of our show for this quarter. Um, by the way, don't um, miss tomorrow morning. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. The Saturday show It's going to be on fire. I want to go first to Ben Harnwell. Ben, uh, from I, I want, first off, the reaction. You're in Rome. Give us the reaction of the European capitals and the European media on uh, this, uh, what, I mean, what can I say, outrageous uh, use, essentially use of, of legal force to indict uh, President uh, Trump, sir? Hi, Steve. Well, um, if Denver wants to start um, playing through some of the, uh, the clippings I sent through earlier, it's just basically the lead article on the Times, the Telegraph, the FT, um, is all to do with the indictment. It, it's dominating the European coverage. The best headline I saw was actually in um, uh, the European Conservative, which said, today is the day that America becomes Russia. Um, and if you think about it, the whole shtick about the the, the Russian war, the, the, the all-in support of Ukraine, was to defend our values against that horrible Vladimir Putin. This is what um, Rebecca Koffler was saying earlier. But, you know, what we're doing here, it, it's the same thing, Steve. It's exactly the same thing. And the, the, the dividing line between uh, the rule of law and equality before the law and the presumption of innocence, it's become ever more blurred by the the sociopathic overlords who are now so invested in stopping the, the possibility of a second Trump mandate. And that's the, the basically the European coverage. Uh, obviously, it's a bit of a Rorschach test. If you didn't like Trump before, then you're going to be delighted with, um, with the, uh, the, 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 the perp walk. Um, uh, that's going to thrill you. If you were supportive of, of, of Trump, you'll think, oh, my God, America is becoming a third world country. Uh, and of course, that is re reflected as well in the um, in the in the European press. Have, have they made the direct connection between his rising popularity? Well, I mean, the rejection of the American people, a, a big majority of them, even people that are independents and some Democrats about this in the unity it's bringing to the Republican Party to do the particularly the haters in the media, the Times of London, uh, the Financial Times, the papers in France, Germany, do they, are, are they making that connection? Yes, they are, Steve. But um, I haven't seen any, yes, they are. Yes, they absolutely are. Uh, I haven't seen anyone say it um, in the terms that, and this is, this is my view, that what this indictment will do is basically an absolute rerun of the impeachment. It's, it's amazing how the Democrats really haven't learned anything from the impeachment hoax. But the, the, the most, the, the, the most uh, structural thing that the, uh, 
that the impeachment did immediately was force the GOP to line itself up behind Donald Trump. I mean, you remember, Steve, there, there were divisions in, in, in the Republican Party back at the time of the impeachment. The moment that impeachment process started, all internal dissent uh, within the, the, the Republican Party ended from one moment to the next. And this indictment is going to have exactly the same thing. Only right now it will have consequences on the uh, on the selection process as well. Now there is some of that in in, in the press. Yes, um, I'm waiting for someone to to see to, to come forward and say, actually, this is very counterproductive from the Democrat point of view. Um, has any? I I got to move on from this to other topics, but I just want to have any of the prominent figures in the populist nationalist movement so far come out to support Trump? Has Le Pen, Maloney? Nigel, what have we seen from the, the leaders in, uh, of the populist nationalist movement in Europe so far? Yeah, Nigel Farage has absolutely come forward and spoken in favour of Trump and, and against this political indictment very clearly. I haven't seen anything from Marine Le Pen, but I think she's pretty engaged in France right now. Um, her, her stock is rising vis-a-vis -vis the, uh, the Macron pension reforms. Um, if she's put out a statement, I, I haven't seen that yet. Um, let me ask you about this headline in the um, in the Financial Times today. China warns Europe not to follow U.S. demands for trade curbs with Beijing. There's a huge meeting in in uh, in Beijing next week, uh, or in China, might be in Shanghai, uh, with the head of the European Union and Macron. Bad time for him to be leaving the country to go over as supplicants to the CCP. What is the general? The, the, does the do the heads of Europe, which I went over there in eighteen and nineteen and spend a lot of time talking to people and trying to convince them about the, the problems with China as a, uh, the reality of China as an enemy. And some people got it, like the guy that writes policy sonar and other leaders, particularly behind closed doors. But there were very few at the time prepared to step forward. Uh, tell me, do they understand the dire circumstances the world is in today with this, uh, the Chinese Communist Party that, that at least from outward perceptions appears to be on the rise? Uh, yes and no. Um, the, um, Ursula von der Leyen came out with a statement a couple of days ago uh, indicating that China was trying to design for itself a new world order with China itself at the centre and that the European <laughs> Union must play a part in resisting that. But you get the impression looking at these people that it's basically words. Um, they've seen the United States, how there's really bipartisan support now in opposing China, um, which there hasn't been, I, I don't know, on, on, on an issue for, for quite some time. And the European Union sort of thinks, well, you know, we, we've got to go through the motions as well. Um, but you get the sense that their heart isn't quite in it. And of course, you know, you, you get the idea that it's just simply words rather than really substance, because what are, the, what, what are all these people doing if not tying China ever more closely in to the massive energy provider, potential energy provider to China, because China has its own energy issues, which is Russia. Um, that has been the consequence of the last year. And there's no stop. There's no hesitation. There's no, perhaps, you know, perhaps geopolitically, strategically, we ought not be pushing these two countries together. Perhaps we should try and pull Russia back within within the European sphere of influence. Um, there's none of that. Um, so, you know, when they're sort of on the one hand saying, well, you know, China is, and it is, absolutely is setting itself up to be the center of, of a new world order. But what we're doing is that, you know, 
looking at Brazil, looking at Saudi Arabia, looking at India. Um, by the way, I'll just flag up Brazil. It's very interesting to see now because you will see that, that the White House is very supportive of Lula in, in the election campaign and couldn't have done more to discourage Bolsonaro. Well, interestingly, that the first major policy positions that the new president of Brazil is doing has been to abandon the United States quite in a humiliating fashion and throw its lot in with, um, with, with China and Russia. I'll also flag up, Steve, the fact that, um, as I discussed with Natalie on, on the show yesterday, the three countries, they had a vote in, in, in the UN um, Security Council on the, to, to have a, an inquiry, a formal investigation into the Nord Stream uh, pipeline sabotage. The three countries to vote for that, the rest of the countries abstained. The three countries that voted for that were China and Russia, obviously, and Brazil, again. So what the, what, what the European Union is doing, what the Western powers, NATO are doing, is they're pushing um, Russia and China ever more closely together. And now, of course, jumping on the bandwagon saying, oh, oh no, no, China must be resisted. But as I say, it's words, not substance. Uh, because her words were were probably the, the first time any leader has come up and said that. So it's pretty startling. Uh, last thing before we got to bounce, um, the Austrian Freedom Party, I know that's the right wing of Austria, stood up in mass Zelensky's talk uh, to that parliament and, and left. Is that resonated through Europe? Is that just looked at as an isolated event among uh, among right wingers? The only, I don't know if Denver can throw this, this article up, the only reference I saw to this, Steve, and it's a really important development, I think, psychologically, is in the BBC. I've not seen any other reference to that in, in any of the international press. 30 uh, FPO members, the Freedom Party, stood up and left in the middle of Zelensky's uh, televised address to the Austrian Parliament. And they did so because they said they couldn't support um, they couldn't support what Zelensky was saying, specifically because they felt that it damaged and threatened Austria's neutrality. Um, I think that um, three months ago, this would have been unthinkable. Um, now that uh, the, the FPO are very popular um, in Austria, they're becoming more popular uh, as time goes on. I think you know what they're doing here is they're realizing that the appetite in Austria has has now swung away from this war. Um, as, as it is doing sort of right, right across the world, to be honest with you, the interest has diminished. I, I, I think the window is now closing and Zelensky really needs, if he wants to, 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 to act in Ukraine's interest, he really needs to, to, to get the Western powers in the, the peace table and help him negotiate for the best deal with Russia. Because if he doesn't take the moment now, that, that window will close and Putin will dictate the terms. You've said that for a long time, sir. Um, ben, how do people get to you on? Uh, how do people get to you on social media? Thanks, Steve. It's Getter. That's my platform of choice, and it's simply my surname, Harnwell at Harnwell, um, and that's where I am. I, I, you know, I have been saying that, by the way, Steve, for quite some time. And this is, you know, if you look at Bakhmut and that city, there, it's all that is stopping Russia from coming in and surrounding. Ukraine, surrounding, excuse me, Kiev, once that happens, right, once that happens, if that happens, that is the moment when uh, Zelensky's negotiating hand will be extremely weakened. So he really needs to, you know, the, the Western powers, they, they haven't totally pulled out and abandoned him yet, but they are starting to move away. He needs to, to act now. 
major shift, as you showed me in the article on foreign policy the other day. Uh, ben Harnwell, thank you. Honored to have you on here. Thanks, Steve. Um, Goodness. I want to, but Ben talked about the, the first big move of foreign policy from Brazil was to say they're going to do, do all transactions with China, one of the leading trade partners in Chinese yuan. That is huge. It's not a small thing. You see, as we've talked about, uh, on virtually every show, this shift into the dollar empire, it's going to have a massive impact in this country. It's going to have a massive impact on your community, kind of a massive impact on you. How do you understand all this? <clears throat> the first thing I would strongly recommend is go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. Totally free. You get the end of the dollar empire. There are three installments so far, including the latest installment, the debt trap, where I talk about all the ins and outs of this debt ceiling negotiation. You're already starting to see, quite frankly, I think a little weakening in some of the uh, Republicans, right, some of the uh, traditional establishment Republicans, and some hardening by the populist nationalists in the, in the Republican Party it says it can't be one increase to the debt ceiling. You need to get up to speed in all of this, so go check it out today. Go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. You get the uh, end of the dollar empire. Also, you can get any free brochure or talk to a consultant about looking at precious metals as an alternative, uh, as an alternative investment for your retirement, 401ks, IRAs, all of it. Go check it out today. That's one of your weekend homework assignments. There's not going to be any, there's no days off here in the war room. And right now, as you can see with all this news popping, people told you it was going to be a decade away, 20 years away. It's happening right now as we've been warning you here on the war room. So go check it out. Can I play, I want to play the Ron DeSantis clip for a second before I bring on Joe Allen. Joe's got a clip too. Let's play the Ron DeSantis clip. I want to talk about this for a second. Think you know Ron DeSantis? Think again. In Congress, DeSantis voted three separate times to cut Social Security. That's right, three times over three years. Worse, DeSantis voted to cut Medicare two times. DeSantis even voted to raise the retirement age to 70. The more you learn about DeSantis, the more you see he doesn't share our values. He's just not ready to be president. Make America Great Again Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. We have to see how all we have to see how all the indictment situation is going to play. Governor Santos did come out and say, "Hey, I'm not going to be involved in any extradition. I'm not going to extradite Trump uh, from Florida on my watch. Whether that's constitutional or not, I'm not a lawyer. People have to argue that out. But that was showing he did he did come out and show that he had President Trump's back after being quite frankly weak uh, a couple of weeks ago. The, but this issue right here gets to the debt ceiling. You're seeing a lot of Republicans start to get jiggy. Oh, we can't put forward a budget like they said they're going to do because there's, some are saying, oh, we have to have cuts to Social Security and Medicare. That's just not true. You can get to a balanced budget and cutting discretionary spending, but you have to add the defense budget. Look, I, I've been a hawk all my life. And right now, I'm, as you know, I'm the leader or one of the leaders in the super hawks uh, to take down the Chinese Communist Party. But we have to get our own financial house in order. What I like about what President Trump has been doing, I think he, where you've gotten this spread up until this indictment, which I think is even going to be a bigger spread, is President Trump's putting these videos out about policy. One of the policies he's talking about, he would not cut Medicare and Social Security. You've got to get to a balanced budget without doing those cuts, and that is achievable. Governor DeSantis, now his record when he was more of a libertarian in, in his first couple of years in the House, particularly as an acolyte of Paul Ryan, is now coming up to scrutiny. We're going to be dealing a lot with this. Look, the, the indictment's the indictment. We're obviously going to be focusing very much on that. That's, as I keep saying, sow the wind, reap the whirlwind for the, uh, for the elites. Uh, and, uh, and, and so right now, we're going to be covering all of it. One of the things we've got to focus is really uh, Ron DeSantis' policy positions as a neoliberal uh, neocon. Okay, uh, Joe Allen has a, Joe Allen has a, uh, 
Joe Allen has a uh, has a call open. Let's go ahead and play it. One thousand of the world's smartest people are saying that AI <laughs> pose profound risks to society and humanity. They want you guys to regulate it. Will you? You're talking about the letter that was released yesterday. So, uh, look, it highlights a number uh, a number of challenges addressed directly uh, in uh, in the administration's blueprint. There's an expert from the Machine Intelligence Research Institute who says that if there is not an indefinite pause on AI development, this is a quote, literally everyone on Earth will die. <laughs> Would you agree that does not sound good? <laughs> Your delivery, Peter, is quite, it's quite something. It sounds crazy, but is it? Uh, all I can say is that there's a comprehensive process in place. We put out a blueprint back in October, as you know. I don't have anything to share. Uh, we have seen the letter. We understand what their concerns are. Uh, again, a comprehensive process. We're going to let that, we'll let that flow. I, I do not think it is possible to understand the full depth of the problem that we are inside without understanding the, the, the problem of facing something that's actually smarter, not a malfunctioning recommendation system, not actually something smarter. that isn't fundamentally smarter than you, but is like trying to steer you in a direction yet. No, like if we if we solve the, the weak stuff, this, the, if we solve the weak ass problems, the strong problems will still kill us is the thing. And I think that to understand the situation that we're in, you want to like tackle the conceptually difficult part head on and like not be like, well, we can like imagine this easier thing because when yeah. you imagine the easier things, you have not confronted the full depth of the problem. People understand the power gap of time. They understand that today we have technology that was not around 1000 years ago and that this is a big power gap and that it is bigger than, okay, so like, what does smart mean? What, when you ask somebody to imagine something that's more intelligent, what does that word mean to them, given the cultural associations that that person brings to that word? For a lot of people, they will think of like, well, it, it sounds like a super chess player that went to double college. Mm -hmm. Because we're talking about the definitions of words here, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong. It means that the word is not communicating what I wanted to communicate. The, the, the thing I want to communicate is the sort of difference that separates humans from chimpanzees. But that gap is so large that you like ask people to be like, well, human, chimpanzee, go another step along that interval of around the same length and people's minds just go blank. Like, how do you even do that? The problem is that we do not get 50 years to try and try again and observe that we were wrong and come up with a different theory and realize that the entire thing is going to be like way more difficult than realized at the start. Because the first time you fail at aligning something much smarter than you are, you die. Okay, uh, welcome back. Uh, today's headline in the in the uh, Financial Times of London: AI's existence, ex excuse me, AI's existential threat to humanity. Now, why is this paper one of the most powerful papers in, in the world? Uh, it's one of the most powerful papers in the world because it gets to important topics. But it looks like it it looks at it from the financial capital markets perspective, and it always prides itself in being very staid, not hair on fire. When the when they have an article like that, artificial intelligence, existential threat to humanity, that is a five-alarm fire in the global capital markets. And you saw there, right there, and this is why Joe Allen's so brilliant, that, that Peter Ducey's very legitimate question was met with guffaws by the rep other reporters there and kind of the smirk and the shake the head and non-response of uh, Zen master Jean-Pierre. Uh, 
Was that a silly question, uh, Joe Allen, or is that a question that should have been asked and they should have had an answer? For her not even have an answer shows you in the inter in the inner circle of the White House, it's not on the list of things that's got to be researched and answered. I can tell you how those press conferences go or those press briefings every day. The things are important to research with volumes of talking points and from the agencies. She she was just a, that was just a blow off response, was it not, sir? Absolutely. And I think she wouldn't know how to respond. Uh, most people don't know how to respond. Uh, I honestly don't know how to respond, and I spend every day of my life on this. Um, you know, you have Jean-Pierre basically just repeating that this uh, White House blueprint exists. Um, you know, I've gone over the blueprint. It, it's it's all the, the standard things you'd expect to see in a government document but, but, like but, that. But, 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 hang, but, hang, but, yeah. hang, but, hang, but, yeah, no, but hang over a second. Yeah. The blueprint and what they talked about, under this is, they included also under the cancer moonshot was all a lie, because we know that was all transhumanism and driving us. The reason I want to put this headline up again is that, brother, under 100 days ago, at Davos, when Chat GPT was introduced to Davos, man, the elites of the world, not to the people in East Palestine, Ohio, it was all high fives and a new era of uh, a seven trillion dollar business and and a, a you know ten trillion dollars in equity value, and we're all going to make a fortune. This is great. They fell all over themselves. All the other issues related to the world, even Zelensky having another one with Chat, were just or the CCP, you know, new currency, the global south. All these major geostrategic issues were swept to the side by the bonanza that ChatGPT offered. Within a hundred days, the Financial Times of London has a lead story on its front page saying, "Is this an existential threat?" to humanity. It's just the speed. We're still within the first hundred days of its kind of coming out party, brother. Yeah. You know, and Steve, really, the Financial Times is about, uh, you know, 10 to 20 years behind this this conversation. Uh, it, it, so you think of it as a spectrum. On one side of the spectrum are those people who think that AI doesn't exist. Uh, it's, not, it, it's nothing to, to fear because it really isn't something at all. And then on the other side, the AI uh, artificial general intelligence, uh, particularly a super intelligent AI, is right around the corner and will destroy everyone. That would be our guy, Eliezer Yudkowsky, right? So, uh, and there's all these different positions in between. And right now, all of those positions are jockeying for a voice in this argument. Uh, you know, the guy that we just heard, Eliezer Yudkowsky, the day that that open letter was published from the Future of Life Institute, that night, he published an article in Time magazine uh, that argued that this moratorium that the open letter is calling for, six-month moratorium on any artificial intelligence system being trained above the level of GPT-4. He argues that that's not nearly enough, Yudkowsky, and that basically the, the only proper response is to halt all large-scale AI training to shut down all of the large GPU clusters, which you know, GPUs are just the hardware used to train AI, uh, and then to form international agreements so that every nation stops now. And he goes so far as to say that if there are any rogue data centers that have been identified by intelligence agencies, airstrike should be on the table, even if they're on foreign soil, to stop it. That's how far on the AI is going to kill us spectrum 
Jankowski is is at, right? So then you've got basically the the general public, which ranges from, you know, just totally freaking out uh, to they don't even know what is being talked about uh, to they don't care. They, they, They kind of know they just simply don't care. And I think what we see right now, Steve, is at least three different major pushes. One, the one from Yudkowsky and company, those who see this as a real risk saying it's time to put a halt to it until we figure out what the hell is going on, right? And then you've got somewhere in the middle there that, you know, the kind of bland perspective, and I'm, I'm just ignoring that for the most part, because I think that that bland perspective does miss a lot of the real meat to this argument about existential risk. But, but then you have, uh, you know, the accelerationist side that says that this is maybe something to worry about, maybe not, but the big issue is competition. This is an AI arms race. Other companies are not going to shut it down. Elon Musk has acknowledged that, even though he signed the letter. Uh, Other countries are not going to shut it down, particularly China and Russia. And so the only way forward to keep our nation competitive, to keep your company competitive, to keep your military competitive, is to just go straight ahead and train these AIs to be as smart as possible. (laughs) I can't predict the future on this, but I will say I am absolutely certain that the downsides are going to be massive, and everybody yeah. agrees on that for the most part. That we, takes it seriously at you, all, you, you, and you, it we, really we, has you, to you, be taken you, seriously. He warned about this, and we warned about this. Now we're in a jam. The jam is with the Hobson's choice. The choice you've got is either um, either try to t- shut it down, but you can't shut it down because of this arm race. You have these companies that are going to continue to, but more importantly, you've got companies, countries that are doing massive experimentation. This is an arms race. This is an arms race that now, as we know, biological weapons and nuclear weapons even pale in comparison comparison to artificial intelligence weaponized. And that's what the fear is. I I want to take a short break because I want to come back. I just want to reiterate the one thing you said about one of the people that understand this the best. What they said about the fear is that if you do a moratorium, and you find out that countries or companies are not agreeing to the moratorium until you get your, your arms around it, that you should initiate actual airstrikes inside foreign countries to take rogue data centers out. You have now people that have worked with artificial intelligence know it quite well as saying, hey, it's that serious. If people will not go along with some embargo, if they go along with some treaty, that you should initiate first strike capability to take it out. Short commercial break. Joe Allen, and I think we're going to track down Lara Logan, is going to join us in the next half hour to finish up the quarter here in War Room. Back in a moment. Starting the new year, how will you prepare yourself, friends, and family? In the news, you're seeing constant government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflicts, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. And relying on your cell phone in these scenarios simply won't cut it. That's why over the last year, I've been partnering with Satellite Phone Store to help you stay prepared and ensure your vital communications stay brighter. They're one of America's largest satellite companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. For a limited time, Satellite Phone Store has a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon. Get a bivy stick or an Imarsat satellite phone included 
with an annual agreement. Remember, that's you get a bivy stick or a Marsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Now, Satellite Phone Store's customer support team is located in the United States of America and can help you pick the best plan for you. Go to sat.com right now. That's sat123.com slash Bannon. Sat123.com slash Bannon. And get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That is sat123.com slash Bannon. Sat123.com slash Bannon. Get it today. Take action, action, action. I admit it. I don't make the best food choices. The CDC says that I should eat six cups of fruit and veggies a day. Now, there's zero chance I'm eating six cups of fruit and veggies a day. But according to a massive study, people who do eat healthy live longer, have less heart disease and diabetes, and have less cancer. Now, I take Field of Greens, and I'll tell you why. Unlike other fruit and vegetable supplements, each specific fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected to support specific functions like heart health, liver and kidney health, immune system, and metabolism. I take Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast. And if you're like me, you feel healthier, have more energy, your skin and hair look healthier, and it can help you lose weight. But the biggest benefits is that better health promise. Take Field of Greens and at your next doctor visit, if your doctor doesn't say something like, whatever you're doing, it's working, keep it up. Return it for a refund. Let me repeat, it's the better health promise. Take Field of Greens and at your next doctor's visit, if your doctor doesn't say something like, hey, whatever you're doing, it's working, keep it up, then return Field of Greens for a full refund. And to help you get started, I got you 15% off your first order, plus get another 10% off when you subscribe for recurring orders. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Bannon. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. Do this today. You will feel healthier. You will look healthier. You will act healthier. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. Do it today. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N all one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. 
Okay, Joe Allen, our own Joe Allen, is is with us. Uh, Joe, uh, there's two things I want to say. Is people got to keep in mind, we're still within the 100 days that this is rolled out to the general public. When I say general public, the investing public with obviously what I call Davos Man at Davos, the very elite gathering where they went gaga. Within 100 days, we have experts in this field, 1,000 are putting out a warning. We need a six-month moratorium, which they know is almost impossible to get a six-month moratorium at a minimum. You had our arms around us, and it should be no new release of any new product. In addition, I want you to go back. One of the experts is saying that we should have a moratorium in any company or country with rogue data centers that do not agree to it, that we find out is still pressing forward with accelerationist um, artificial intelligence. Should We should use a first strike capability missile strike to take it out. Joe Allen, my point I'm trying to say is that this has been worked on from some of the biggest companies forever. Google, uh, Facebook clearly didn't see the potential of this. They were doing Metaverse. Google was doing other things. They're bringing their founders back. They're firing thousands of people or tens of thousands of people to focus on exactly this. This is the biggest shift in anything in the post-industrial era, bigger than the internet, bigger than all of it, as far as company resources being put on it. And already you're hearing uh, sober voices saying, we have no earthly idea what we're doing here, and the closer we get to artificial general intelligence, this is going to be an existential threat to mankind. Joe Allen. Yeah, Steve, I think that uh, the reason you see such a huge outcry right now from those who are, again, Jodkowsky has been on this for 20 some odd years, is that the capabilities of GPT-4 really did stun everybody. It wasn't everything it was cracked up to be, but Everything from the testing scores, right, when it was testing in GRE verbal or in the, the biology, biology Olympiads or the bar, it just, these are just, uh, you know, observable, objective metrics that you can see the sort of human-like intelligence in that sphere. There was, there's also these semi-generalist sort of tendencies or abilities, right? So it's able to uh, look at an image and interpret it into text, right? Or uh, there's a few other elements that are uh, somewhat generalist without going into all the detail. Another, another thing too, just the, the size of the model itself, right? Not only the, the data that it was trained on, uh, but the number of parameters within the models, like 10 times more than what you had in GPT 3.5. And so it's just this sort of, if you imagine a brain, an artificial brain, that is 10 times bigger than what everyone was freaking out about 100 days ago. That's what you're dealing with. And the, the worry on the part of guys like Gidkowski or someone like Nick Bostrom or Elon Musk, the worry is that this system will just simply be, it will improve in its own sphere, but you will have all of these other systems. Uh, now that you have this sort of proof of concept, you have all these other systems that will be able to scale up to that size, knowing that it's possible. And we're talking about everything from weapon systems to systems that, uh, that, that are, are specified for biology. And that is the danger that these extremist sort of existential risk thinkers are pointing out, right? The, if you have a, a super intelligence is what they, they describe this as, whether it's narrow or general, the three major existential risks to humanity are that it is in control of or has access to major like critical infrastructure that human lives depend on to be 
airplanes, could be hospitals, could be an, ele an electrical grid, could be any number of those things. Or it has access to or control of weapon systems. Or it has access and control of bio labs. And, and then uh, uh, additionally, all it would really need, a, a rogue artificial intelligence, all it would really need is the goal to harm humanity somewhere in its coding and access to human minds who have access to those critical critical infrastructures and manipulate human beings into causing dramatic harm to other human beings. So what we're talking about, it sounds sci-fi, and I'm, I'm myself, I'm quite skeptical of a lot of these very specific scenarios, but what you're talking about is a massive artificial intelligence system whose goals are not aligned with humanity and at the extreme end, whose goals include the destruction of some part of or all of humanity. And some people would say, okay, that's something to worry about in 50 years. But guys like Eliezer Yudkowsky, founder of the Singularity Institute, now known as the Machine Intelligence Research Institute, the guy is a transhumanist. He wants all of these sorts of wild radical technologies. He warns that it's not a matter of 50 years. It's not necessarily even a matter of 10 years. He warns that if any of these huge systems were to take off outside of human control, there would just be no stopping it. And worse, by the time it was too late, you would, it would have been in the works for perhaps months or a year or years. It would basically keep the secret. Again, it, it sounds sci-fi. I, I feel very weird communicating this to a layman audience because it sounds so out there, but all you need is a fraction of that kind of problem for it to be a serious issue. And so you, now you have all these calls for government responses. The government, nobody in the government really has any clue how to deal with these major systems. Most of the people who work on these systems don't really understand the systems and none of them understand the, the, the deepest inner workings of the system. So you have a situation where either it goes out of control according to the accelerationist paradigm, or it's lightly regulated under the kind of existing structures, or you get some kind of extreme governmental response like Eliezer Yudkowsky is calling for, and then you just hand the government more power to crack down not only on tech corporations, but any private citizens, small startup, Bitcoin, uh, uh, cryptocurrency operations, any of that. Um, so it's a, it really is a rock and a, a, between a rock and a hard place, Steve. And I and I, I I'm actually at a loss for any sort of uh, kind of sane answer to it, other than to say, you know, buckle up, strap in. Yeah. It's going to be very strange well, in the very in the very near future in the coming years. I, I told people this is going to be a major element of the 2024 campaign, not just the technology, but the debate over the direction of the technology. One last thing, as we talk about the singularity. In every, also every one of these other areas, whether it's regenerative robotics, whether it's quantum computing, whether it's a nanotechnology, biotechnology, CRISPR, you take all the verticals that converge on the, on the singularity. I guarantee you right now in these different labs, there are developments they're working on that may not match exactly the increasing, accelerating at an accelerating rate that AI has caught the experts, but will be damn close. At every weapons lab and every one of these research centers, what is happening in these other technologies is a difference in degree, but not in kind. So when that all comes out to the public, you're going to sit there and go, well, hey, why did I even know anything about this? This is all, I think, going to come clear over the next year. But this is a massive problem that right now governments are not even prepared to, to address. 
You can see that part of that was in that executive order that, that Biden wrote. That was a whole of government and really called for a whole of society approach to drive all possibility and put cash and capital in back of a drive on the singularity. Joe Allen, uh, to wrap up uh, tonight in the first quarter of this year, you've done just an incredible thing. The first quarter started with Davos, I think on the 15th to 16th of January, in talking about this, releasing it to the public. Here within 100 days of that, and there are people already calling for, hey, if, if, if companies or countries don't go along with a moratorium, then use first strike missile capability and take them out. Joe Allen. You know, uh, Steve, I think that, that, that right now the U.S. government, uh, the, the, the current administration cannot be trusted to respond to this. So you already have Restrict Act coming, going through uh, the Senate. Uh, a lot of people are really, really alarmed, rightfully so, because you had a legitimate problem, TikTok as a spy app that's being responded to with legislation that doesn't even mention TikTok or ByteDance by name, but could possibly restrict the use of VPNs. It could re restrict the freedom of cryptocurrency traders. Uh, and it could be at, at the extreme end, some sort of like Patriot Act 3.0, right? And I, I think that in response to something as vague and unknown as artificial general intelligence or super intelligence, uh, that any kind of governmental response is going to be just ham handed and ridiculous. Uh, right now, Italy has just barred any use of chat GPT, right? Uh, I think that I understand, obviously, the sort of anxiety that would lead to something like that. But all that means is that other countries around Italy will be using the same sorts of software and they won't be. Um, I, you know, in the case of these extreme sorts of, of projections, the extreme projection that you will end up with an artificial general intelligence that is not necessarily as rich as a human psyche, but is able to outperform humans, to lie to humans, to, to uh, trick humans, and possibly gain control of systems to destroy humans, it's so abstract, it's so unknown, that there's really no immediate response other than just simply don't do it. But that's not going to happen. These tech corporations are going to keep working towards those kinds of systems. The militaries around the world are going to keep working towards those kinds of systems because those systems mean worldly power. So that's why, to me, I, I think that one way or the other, what we're looking at really is a matter of mitigating whatever damage may be coming our way. It doesn't have to be the extreme sci-fi scenario. All it has to be is something as seemingly trivial but major. The large language models are deployed across the internet with uh, just endless chatbots all over Twitter, Facebook, uh, you know, Gitter, wherever. And human beings are no longer able to tell whether they're communicating with a human online or a computer online. And the kinds of social discord that that could sow uh, are so astounding and phenomenal, as addicted as everyone is to the Internet, that that alone is something just, you know, that terrifying to comprehend and is undoubtedly right around the corner if, if measures are not taken. And the measures that are being suggested look like the sort of beast system global identification uh, 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 regimen, so, uh, regimes. So you've got Sam Altman who has a startup that it, you would basically use your iris scan in order to prove that you are a human yep. in any kind of digital environment. And Elon Musk has his own version. Uh, Everybody has I, their own version. So you're talking about universal yeah. global digital identity as the cure. 
Joe, we got to bounce real quickly. How do people get to you? You can find me at jobot.xyz, warroom.org under the transhumanism tab, at Ditter and Twitter at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z. Thank you very much, Steve. And we, uh, Joe, we'll probably have you back on tomorrow because I got to drill down some of this. this is getting to be an emergency status. So Joe Allen, our editor on all things transhumanist, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. Thank you. Given what's happened in the country over the last 24 hours, I don't think there's a stronger voice that we could have on here to end the first quarter of 2023, a historic year, than Laura Logan, uh, one of the top investigative reporters in the country. Laura, uh, I put up on Newsweek, Newsweek quoted me today on one of my Getter chats. I said, you, you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind, and that the American version of the globalist elites have now gone to outright war with the populist nationalist uh, movement. I know that you have analyzed this. You've studied it. You've reported on it. Uh, you do interviews all the time. Give us your assessment. We've got about eight minutes. I just want to toss the ball to you. Where do we stand right now in this country, ma'am? Well, um, this is a clarifying moment, right, where the part of the veil is lifted and we see people for who they truly are. And, um, you know, if you're a person who likes to be on solid ground, then uh as much as you can sense the danger in this moment, um, you also can sense the uh, significance. And uh, for anyone who is not afraid or doesn't want to live in fear, this is almost the moment that we've been waiting for. You know, we've had this sense for a long time now that things are escalating, right? Everything's accelerating. One minute it's gay marriage and the next minute I've got to have transgender people in the schools, you know, teaching kids how to twerk and doing lap dances. And suddenly now my kids are being forced to read book after book about, about rape. Um, you know, and, and this kind of thing. And, and so none of that is normal. We all know that, right? And we knew that we were heading to a breaking point. There have been many attempts, I believe, and most of them unreported, to bring us to a breaking point. And people have been working very diligently, legally and quietly, very calmly behind the scenes to prevent uh, you know, uh, sort of false flag attacks and things like that. And um, and we may never know their names. We may never know everything that's been done. But there are people who have given everything silently, unpaid, um, people who have worked under the Constitution, right, to protect us. And so now what's happened is that the matador is in the ring, right? We've gone through the first stage of the bullfight, right, where everybody was bringing out the bulls and the fanfare and, uh, and, and getting the crowd ready. And then you, you had, you know, the, the uh, lower matadors who are in the ring tiring out the bull. That's what we've been going through. We've been tiring out the bull with the election fraud and uh, Russia collusion and all of these things. But obviously Trump is the matador, right? And the deep state, the people who clearly have demonstrated they do not have the interests of this nation at heart. This is not their first priority. They're more concerned about uh, <laughs> global sovereignty, right? They're more concerned about a new world order, about opening up the borders and diluting the, the number of patriots in this company, country, you know, about um, global organizations and global solutions to problems that don't actually exist, that they can't even define, like climate. Um, they're more interested in that. They've shown us where their priorities 
lie. It's more important to Biden and those uh, behind him to send money to Ukraine to fight a war that we all know um, is not as depicted, rather than to use that money to address what is happening to American citizens at home. And I don't typically like those kind of arguments, but we're now talking about such a scale, right, where you're seeing this happen, um, and, and it's you can't deny it anymore because it's right in front of your eyes. And if you are in denial about it, this is your moment to wake up and seize the opportunity because you can argue that uh, Trump is unlikable. You can argue that you know his personality is abrasive and he's not statesmanlike. And you can make all those kind of arguments. I would argue that you're playing right into the hands of people who are trying to distract you if you do, um, you know, if you do pay attention to those arguments, because the real test is in the actions of the man, not what people say about him. And in his actions, what we have seen is that he has put America first. He drained the swamp with things like, uh, you know, declassifying Space Force. He took, uh, really, he took billions of dollars of dark money. And dark money is where, you know, people in Washington get rich, right? Because there's no oversight. And he put that into the light overnight. And what we got caught up in is arguments in the media about Trump said he would, you know, he would drain the swamp, but look at all the, you know, swamp creatures in his administration. All of that was part of the war of information, right? In a fifth generation warfare where we've been in a war of narratives. And now, now he's in the ring, he's drawing the bull to him. And we are going to see a fight to the death. Because as he said in Waco, when he spoke, I think just last weekend, we are in a fight to the death. And people can listen to this and they can say, oh, she's crazy, right? Remember when she used to be at 60 Minutes? Wow, she was fantastic then, but now she's lost her mind. Well, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like when people say to you, you can believe or not believe in Satan, right? But it's still real. And you speak to any Satanist and they can tell you very clearly, they can demonstrate for you how real it is. It's kind of like that now. We're in a fight for our survival. The real enemies are not Democrats versus Republicans and left versus right. This is a clarifying moment that will truly reveal once and for all who the rhinos are, right? Because if you're a rhino, if you're, you know, if you're an American, there's no sitting on the fence in this moment. Not at all. And it's also a moment, if you're a Democrat, that is a defining moment because there are many Democrats across this country who know in their hearts that this is wrong. Now, there are people who think, I hate Trump so much. I don't care if it's a political persecution. I just want him gone. He has to be stopped. If you have fallen for that narrative, then unfortunately you have been deceived. And maybe there are many good people who have been deceived, but that is not going to stop the march of time, right? Because we are headed on a path now. And, uh, and you know, there's only one winner in a war. We, one of the false narratives is that you can have these wars that go on forever and nobody ever has to win. And then suddenly they become unwinnable. Well, that's a lie because every war is winnable. It's just a question of what you're prepared to do. It's the political will that loses wars or turns them into stalemates. It's never the capabilities because we didn't even use 10% of our advanced military capability on the battlefields in Iraq and Afghanistan, right? We never even did that. We chose not to win those wars, ultimately. And so what you see here is this is a moment where Americans 
who have been very complacent for a very long time, who have enjoyed the benefit of the sacrifices made by the founding fathers, right, and the people who died fighting for this republic. They have had the benefits of that. And But what did the founding fathers say? They asked us not to do what they did. They, asked, they didn't ask for the ultimate yeah. sacrifice. They asked us to protect it and to fight for it. And we thought we could hold well, on to it without fighting. That's what we thought, Steve. Why do you think that? What battle you left, in your life have you, you ever won without being you, in the ring? When you left 60 Minutes, you became really a prophet. You have called this shot almost to a T. Real quickly, how do people get to your podcast, all your writings? Um, on local, on Twitter, on Truth Social, and uh, soon on lauralogan.com and Sovereign. Laura Logan, uh, you've done an amazing job of calling these shots. Your voice needs to be heard now more than ever. Honored to have you on here. Thank you. You know what? Back tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. in the worm. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.